Welcome back to the Zume Multiplying Disciples podcast, where we're on a journey to saturate the world with multiplying disciples in our generation. Ron, it's great to be with you today and get to just talk about Zume and what God's been doing in some different ways. And so why don't you just kick us off by sharing a little bit about yourself? Uh, Mary, great to be with you and honored to be on the podcast with you today. Uh, about me, goodness. Uh, well, I grew up unchurched, came to faith at 16. Pretty revolutionary experience for me. Uh, very, very much a 180 degree turn for me in my life and uh, best decision ever made. And so I, I've always had this passion for people who don't know Jesus, people who are far from Jesus. Uh, was discipled my second year of college. I heard about discipleship. Heard that sometimes people disciple other people, never seen it or experienced it, and prayed for a man to disciple me. God brought that man to my life, a guy named John Brooks, and kind of a navigator, sort of way of discipling lots of scripture memory and uh, theology. And then I did some, we didn't call them discovery Bible studies, but I began to do that kind of work in the dorm for young Christians. And then uh, felt called to plant churches. And so uh, the prevailing model at that time, and I guess you could say to some degree it still is, was like the seeker model. Uh, Rick Warren was my sponsoring church pastor out in California. So over the last 30 plus years, I've planted four prevailing model churches. Uh, A couple of times I've gone multi-site and then, uh, but always had this, this sense of my spirit. I wasn't doing what I was supposed to be doing or what my original calling was about, which was making disciples who made disciples but candidly didn't know how to do that. Um, and then during COVID did a lot of evaluating. I'd gone through a long season of brokenness before COVID and uh, then kind of got the ship upright again in my personal life and ministry life, but still it wasn't sensing we were, I was doing my calling and uh, read T for T by Yen Kai. And I'd heard about the stuff making movements. I'd read books about it, but nothing that had any like tactical help. And I thought, I think this could actually happen in the Western world. So we began doing three-third groups with uh, lost people and saw a lot of baptisms in a short amount of time. And then um, God brought Chris Wynn into our lives. It was kind of funny. We were in a, a room one day trying to figure out what to call these, these churches. We decided to call them churches, not groups, because they were functionally acting like churches. And uh, we looked up Simple Church. My worship leader said, just call them Simple Church, man. Like, you're making this too hard. They're like, anybody can do this. So I Googled Simple Church and found this website called Zume.training. And I, in my arrogance, I thought, ah, oh, these are probably a bunch of posers that, you know, we've got, they're using some of the same tools we're using and they call them Simple Churches, but, you know, they're probably some seminary students. Because my experience with the house church movement in the U.S. had not been very positive. And then uh, kind of find out a few weeks later, uh, a friend of mine knew Chris Wynn, who, um, as you know, and he's a friend of yours as well as mine, does a lot of the work for Zume, and uh, introduced me to Chris, and immediate brotherhood took place. I go, oh my gosh, this guy knows more about DMM and making disciples than I'll ever know in a lifetime. And so um, that's how I got introduced both to Chris and to Zume and started using it. That's a great story, Ron. And so now you're in Denver and Restoration 
Church, why don't you just tell us a little bit about just the church that you are leading and how is Zume a part of that story? Oh, uh, well, I started the church myself 12 years ago and um, we were you know, kind of running the, the typical prevailing model place and uh, we've helped start 46 other prevailing model churches. So we still believe in that model and still love the prevailing church. Uh, we recently moved into a larger building. We own two buildings now and have a church plant in one of the other, the other building. Um, and let's see, how do we use Zuma in our church currently? Early on, we, were, we use it heavily. Uh, before we met Curtis, it was the primary source of training that we use for ourselves and our disciples and our simple church leaders. And we continue to use it, but over time, we've contextualized most of the concepts and tools and kind of like you guys have done in Tampa, we boiled it down to like one page and we run that play over and over again as we're training through our simple churches and through multiply training events, but we still use them quite a bit. We um, like, there's a concept that we're wanting people to understand or internalize at a deeper level. If there's a zoom, video that communicates that concept, we'll send it to people. Uh, and then overseas, we're working a lot in uh, primarily India but we've been doing, like we just had a guy do a training event the last three days in the Philippines. Uh, they'll frequently use Zume to explain concepts in those languages, uh, the people groups are reaching over there. And then locally, we're, um, we've got an international movement, which is uh, about six-eighths of our movement. I guess it's three-fourths of our movement is internationals. And we have, uh, I believe, 12 different languages being spoken in that the international part of our movement and they frequently use Zume for training. That's great. So just different ways and ideas that you all as Restoration Church are getting to use Zume in the church, but then also just in different ways locally, the internationals right around you and then overseas. And so what have been just some of the things that have excited you, Ron? Any just God stories or moments that you have seen God just move and work as you all have been on this journey? Mm, I forgot another way we use Zume. I'll come back to that question. Uh, it's a vision casting tool because we, we a lot of our work locally is helping churches begin to do disciple-making movement work. Uh, most of the churches are doing it in a parallel fashion, not hybrid like we are but it's been a great vision casting tool pastors who we've been vision casting to will look at some of the content and see the quality of the content and uh and then have the concept reinforced and so it's been a tool to get more pastors to embrace doing dmm uh, here in a local context let's see uh gosh god stories thank you here you got your testimony on the afternoon um let me think here. I can't think of like, you know, a moment in time where someone watched a video and had like significant epiphany and something significant happened out of that. I just, it's just been, we've just, it's been a slow drip training tool. So I'll give you an example. I have a simple church. Uh, I'm on iteration number two of my simple church, but out of my simple church, we have several hundred simple churches that have come out of it. And, uh, a lot of the Gen 1 training we did was even before we met Curtis, and it was all Zume. We would just literally take uh, a Zume video a week and make that or look up content for that week. And so uh, I guess that is a story, right? I mean, God's used that 
that initial mm-hmm. just out of our one simple church create hundreds of other simple churches. So that's awesome. So if I'm hearing correctly, kind of, you know, you all have a church that meets in a building and you talk about hybrid, you also have simple churches and together is the church, the churches in homes, the churches in a building, but the ways, some of the ways that Zume has been a blessing to y'all has been, you were using it and pointing people to it. You still do, but really heavily before you had kind of the in-person training time. Is that right? Yes. Yes. It, it gave us, it laid the foundation for everything that we're doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it was, it was a way to access online in the means that you had until you were able to connect with even more relationships doing training in person. And now y'all are multiplying trainings in person far more and using the videos to kind of just have a place that people can go to when they're not face-to-face getting to do the same exact training. Yes. It, it reinforces the concepts. And then with internationals, because it's in 40 plus languages, it's been a great tool for the international part of our movement. That's awesome. Well, why don't you just tell us more about this hybrid model, this vision that you all are pursuing? Yeah, I I, I don't recommend it for everybody, Mary. (laughs) (laughs) It is not for the faint of heart. I I coach a lot of pastors. I was coaching a pastor this morning and I said, I don't think you should do hybrid. And I probably... uh, that, that might be true about 50% of the pastors I'm coaching right now. Uh, the ones who are more apostolic and have uh, the team that has the type of horsepower necessary to do hybrid, I think that's a great way to go. So maybe for our audience, they may not understand like the, the three primary options. And uh, Damian Girk, a mutual friend of Mars Mary, has written on this in his book, uh, Getting the Way, and did a great job articulating these three primary models would be one is, you know, you take your prevailing church and you discontinue. And I've had friends that have done that and, and nothing but respect and honor for those guys. It takes a lot of courage. And they just decided to go pure DMM. Um, I'm seeing more church planters. We have a resident moving here in May. He just wants to go pure DMM. And I've got some guys in town that are going pure DMM. Uh, we have a young adult ministry called The Brook. And I would say it's pretty much pure DMM, uh, but using media to movement to funnel a lot of Christians into their disciple-making movement. Uh, then you've got churches that will do it in parallel, where they'll keep their prevailing model and go, okay, we're going to do churches. We know it over here. But then over here, we're going to have a disciple-making movement. So the pastor I was training this morning, he's not apostolic. He's more of a, a teacher, prophet. And so I, and I don't sense given his schedule or his nature that going hybrid would be something I recommended, but he has a strong apostolic leader in his church. who's just like constantly like kicking the door down trying to make this thing happen. So I said, dude, why don't you just go parallel? I think you'll be happier. He'll be happier. And I think it can be great synergy down the road because, you know, as we, we discover in North America, a lot of people that are reached through a movement still have this sort of uh, historical knowledge of, a certain way of church operating and they once in a while want to go to a building and go to a, a larger Christmas Eve service or have worship on the weekends with lots of people or whatever. So um, that's the model. Hybrid is when you're trying to create, you're trying to maximize synergy between uh, the, the weekend experiences and the typical programs of a church and a disciple making movement. And that's the model we felt the spirit leading us to pursue. And so what that looks like is we try to reinforce the values of movement 
through the weekend experience. So we make heroes out of our disciple-making movement leaders. We use the tools that um, accelerate movement. We use those and teach about those uh, on the weekends. Concepts that we use in the movement, we teach those concepts. Uh, you know, we're, we're modeling even like soaps. How we preach is kind of similar to doing a, a soaps or even a three-third experience in a simple church. So we're just constantly asking ourselves, how can we take what we're doing through our programs on the weekends and use that to facilitate movement? And then the you know the people who Google, you know, we, we do a lot of advertising and they, they come to our church, but then they've got on the website, they know we're a different type of church and that we're emphasizing discipleship and movement. And so that the weekend experience becomes a funnel moving people into movement. And then I guess another thing we do that is maybe a little bit unique is we do connecting events and they're um, sort of age, almost tribalistic. <laughs> like we, we've got we've got events we do for young marriages. We have events for young families. We have thing called Top Shelf for older people. The Brook does young adult gatherings and often they're happy hours or, you know, maybe there's some content that's attractive to that demographic gather people from the city and through relational networks into the connecting event where they can build relationships that hopefully lead to conversations that will lead to discipling, disciple making and eventually simple church involvement. That's awesome. So many different avenues that you guys are getting to really create and utilize all towards the same vision of multiplying disciples and churches. So you know, what's been happening right now, Ron, anything just exciting of what you're seeing God do or anything that's been encouraging or challenging? Yeah. Oh gosh. Uh, we're super encouraged. I mean, we just had an amazing year and uh, we do measure a lot of stuff. Measurement matters to us because it, it, it's a uh, measurement tells us what's working, what's not working, what needs to be fixed, where things are breaking down. Uh, so gosh, I mean, we had, I won't give numbers from last year, but they were pretty amazing. We're up to 800 civil churches. I guess I will put that out there. Um, and then we've had, we had 200 baptisms in January alone this year. So we're off to a pretty strong start with uh, evangelistically. Uh, so that's been super exciting. I mean, they're just, you know, and a lot of this, most of those baptisms are taking place through the simple churches and they're doing them at homes and bathtubs and hot tubs and, you know, swimming pools where they can find indoor swimming pools. It's winter here in Denver. Um, and they're just owning it. So that's been pretty cool. But one thing our, our internationalists did that we're trying to figure out how to do this with our national, the, the nationals, this is U.S. citizens, is we did 52 Christmas parties and we saw in December alone 200 baptisms through those Christmas parties where internationals were sharing how they came to faith. And like the meaning of Christmas, you know, international is like, what is Christmas all about? Hey, come to my house for a party. We'll explain the Christmas story to you. So that was pretty cool. Um, you know, I think a challenge right now is uh, we're trying to raise up more trainers. And so we're making sure we don't do any kind of training without somebody that we're training to be a trainer doing that training with us. So we're trying to catch up in terms of building out more trainers. That's going to be a bottleneck pretty quickly. Uh, we're trying to figure out, this is kind of exciting, uh, the, the, our young adult ministry, as you know, Mary, is a great job with media to movement. And I mean, every time they have a connecting event, they'll have a couple hundred people and half the people there will be there for the first time. Just 
non-Christians looking to meet healthy people. So they go, oh, I'll try this thing called the brook. It seems like these seem, people seem healthy, but not weird in a churchy way. Uh, we're trying to figure out how to do that across more demographics. And so um, that's exciting to us. And, our, and the resident we're, we're bringing on, we'll be focused on that, how we can do more with media as a movement. Uh, we're talking to Glue about some other current uh, initiatives like the um, He Gets Us movement, you know, they've got going right now, how we can, how we can um, you know, use media to find more people at peace and people who are right for hearing the gospel. Uh, alongside that, though, we are doing more harvest days. We're just mobilizing people and going door to door and going to parks and stuff like that. We're, we've got more of that kind of work we've been doing. We're going to keep accelerating the, the amount of just out of harvest work we're doing. That's awesome. Praise the Lord. All the different pieces that are happening that are coming together and that you're seeing across demographics, you know, your neighbors from across the nations right around you. And so, yeah. Ron, as as we wrap up here, is there anything else that you'd like to share? One last thing. I think this is super important. And uh, I, I'm apostolic, as you know, I tend to forget this. If I, and I have to go, oh, don't forget, this is God's movement. <laughs> you know, like, uh, if, long before this began to happen here in Denver, there were faithful people on their knees, literally in tears, praying for God to move in our city. And so, uh, you know, the reason this is happening is God has just chosen to, to move at this time in this place. The spirits, the wind of the spirits blowing. And we just we just happen to be at the right place at the right time and have people like you know, Curtis Sargent and Chris Wynn, the people at Zume, that the team that's put that together. They were the ones that taught us what the sales are we needed to raise to be able to catch more wind. And so, uh, first of all, huge thank thanks. Giving needs to be given to God for what he's doing in our city. And then secondarily, you know, Mary, I want to thank you and the team at Zume for, for coaching us, for teaching us, and giving us the tools we needed to uh, you know, and step into what God has asked us to do. Thanks for listening. To learn more, go to www.zume.vision. And to be equipped, go to www.zume.training. Have questions for the podcast? You can email them to podcast at zume.vision.